0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Tired of not getting a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card? With 24-7 live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card.
1: A warning. This episode contains explicit language and content. Hey y'all, you're listening to It's Been a Minute from NPR. I'm Brittany Luce. When I first heard Trina's song, Pull Over, I was in middle school. And her dirty but clever wordplay was one of my first introductions to southern rap. And this song made me a fan for life. For over two decades, Trina has been one of the biggest names in hip-hop. In the late 90s, she introduced herself with a fresh Miami wet and wild rap style. She made a splash with bold, sexy lyrics and a larger than life persona. And Trina's impact has been huge. Hot new artists of today, like Lotto and the City Girls, grew up listening to her music and credit Trina as an inspiration. Today on the show, a special treat from our good friends over at NPR's Louder Than a Riot where they look at the unwritten rules of hip-hop. Rules that discriminate against a few but hold back the whole culture. This episode focuses on rule number four in their book. It ain't trickin' if you got it. And Trina is going to show us how that plays out. Stay with us.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Discover. Here's a familiar situation. You have a question about your credit card.
1: What does it mean to be Black in America? In NPR's Black Stories, Black Truths, a collection of stories as varied, nuanced, and dynamic as the Black experience, you'll hear, it means everything. Search NPR Black Stories, Black Truths wherever you get your podcasts.
2: I was at one of my friends' house. And we were just hanging out. We just always hang out and
3: trick cards this is trina the miami rapper goes by many names the baddest bitch diamond princess trina rockstar and when we sat down with her in miami we asked her about this one night in 1998 that set her on the path to earning all those titles
2: he happened to call my friend and her name is Janie. She was the one who answered the phone for him. And he was like, what you guys doing? And she was like, oh, we're just hanging out, chilling. He said, come to the studio. And so I'm in the background like, for what?
3: On the other end of the line was Trick Daddy Dollars, Miami-Dade Mainstay, and a friend of Trina's from her Liberty City neighborhood. He was like, who is that Trina?
2: She was like, yeah, he was like, put it on the phone so I get on the phone. And then he was like, man, y'all come to the studio now. I got something I want you to do. I I was like, what is it? He was like, just come, just come. It's like, I can't explain it.
4: Now when Trina and the rest of her girls pulled up, Trick was kicking it in the studio with a bunch of dudes.
2: We know all the guys, so it's like it's always family. It was a family thing, so it was cool. And then he goes, come in the studio, I want you to hear something. And we go in the studio and he plays the Nam record. Then he was like, I want you to get on the record. Now I'm thinking, oh, maybe I'm going to say, you know, it's Trina yeah. or something like, what's up, it's Trina. My light. Just a real little light intro-y thing, you know, a little skit, a back and forth. He goes, um, "He so he, he goes, he plays his, his verse, his eight bars, and then he goes, now I need you to come in right here. And I was like, listen, I, I was like, play what you said again. And then I was like, and what am I supposed to say? <laughs>
4: At first, she didn't want to do the record. And I was like, Trina, you got to do the record.
3: That's Trick. Trick had already laid down a verse on Nan that had some out-of-pocket, thugged-out bounce to it, exactly what the Day County mayor was known for. Like, he was running through a whole clique of baddies, killing a man, and then buying rounds for everyone in the club afterwards. But still, it wasn't enough to set the track apart. He wanted it to be a call and response.
4: And for that, he needed somebody he could go toe-to-toe with.
2: He want me to like be combative with him, go like girl versus guy. And I gotta, I gotta like kill him in my part. He was like, and it gotta be nasty. You just gotta talk and da-da-da. He was just selling this stuff.
4: Yeah, Trick was not letting up. And she was like, I don't know how to rap. I said, we're not rapping. I was like, all we're going to do is be ourselves. And I was like, just be you, cuss me out.
3: After all that, Trina was gassed up enough to give it a shot. Now, there's a lot of studio sessions that have become hip-hop legend. The wet and wild Miami anthem, Nan***, is definitely one of them.
4: So much so that the story of its making has been told a million different ways. And usually giving credit to Trick Daddy as the one who wrote the raunchiest parts of Trina's iconic clapback.
3: But this is how Trina tells it to
2: us. We were the only ones in the studio. Just me and my friends, I made him get out. I was nervous. I didn't want to do it in front of him. So I just had the girls in there like, so if I sounded crazy, they could be like, nah, that's lame. You ain't gonna say that. You gotta say it like this. So that was like my energy with my friends. And they just wow. So they was ready.
3: With all the guys gone, they got to work. Thinking of the nastiest, hardest lyrics they could to outdo Trick's verse. And
2: so I was just like, oh my gosh, I'm not saying it. It was like, yeah, you got to say that. I was like, no, I'm going to say this. No, say this. And I was like, mm, should I say this? That's too nasty. It was like, no, that's perfect. I, I, my friends, I have the nine to fivers and I have the all nighters. So in the balance of both of them, there you go. That's how the verse came.
5: Mm-hmm.
4: Running it back on studio speakers, she had the guys come back in and listen.
2: So when Trick came in and Corey and all the guys, Ross, everybody, um, they went crazy.
4: Man, this joint was so fire, it got Trina a record deal that night. and She wasn't even looking for one.
3: This song was the start of Trina's career. A career that would have a lasting impact on hip-hop. Because even though she didn't know it right then, she wasn't just speaking for herself and a couple of girlfriends. I,
2: I was raw, unapologetic. I stood on what I meant. I believe in who I am. The game didn't make me. I made the game. I made it. That's why I breed a whole universe of bad bitches.
3: I'm Cindy Madden.
4: I'm Rodney Carmichael. And from NPR Music, this is is louder than a riot.
3: Where we confront the double standard that's become the standard.
4: On every episode this season, we tackle one unwritten rule of hip hop that holds the entire culture
3: back. And one that a new generation of rap refuses to stand for. From the moment she stepped in the game, Trina was pushing P in ways nobody ever heard before. She raised the bar on raunchy lyrics and put Miami hip hop on the map. But birthing a whole universe of bad bitches didn't always come easy. As Trina was wiping her Gucci pumps on dusty old stereotypes about black women's sexuality, rap's old guard was constantly trying to drag her through more dirt, reducing baddie bars to the pejorative of rap without hearing the real message.
2: It's still a double standard because we can say this, that, and the other, and this could be sexual, whatever, and it's a look down upon. But the guys say the same
3: thing and everybody's celebrating it. On this episode, rule number four. It ain't chicken if you got it. Mm-hmm. There's just something about Miami. the vibrancy, the Caribbean flavor, the heat where humidity from the swamplands mingles with the sweat of the nightclubs, only to be washed away by salt water and frozen liquor. As the plastic surgery capital of America, it's a place where sexy reigns supreme. One of the only places, as Trina says, you can go to the supermarket in nothing but a bikini and not get looked at sideways. And it's where everyone else comes to play and tap into their sexy. Let their freak flags fly. And the hip-hop this city has given us definitely reflects that energy. When we flew down south to meet up with Trina, before even speaking, she reminded us why she is the baddest bitch. She pulled up to the Slip and Slide studios in a burnt orange Rolls Royce wraith, making us look super broke in our Toyota Corolla Uber. And she agreed to start the interview only after she got a full face beat, ate her delivered soul food, and got all the sauce off her neon acrylic nails. Once we settled in, she laughed while reminiscing okay. about what happened after she laid down her verse on Nan all those years ago. You know, okay, from let's talk nine, about it. <laughs> gonna talk
4: about okay. In the summer of 1998, Nan dropped as the lead single off Trick Daddy's album. And Trina didn't know it was such a big deal until the night Trick invited her to his birthday party.
2: Get to the birthday party. We're in like this little VIP little thing in the back, and <laughs> Trick is about to go in and perform. Okay, we're gonna. I'm behind the curtains. So I'm standing up here with my girls. We standing up there. We bopping this up.
3: Trina and her girls were running up the table tab, and they had the whole VIP section going up for Trick. But then Trick's team interrupted them. Then they said, came
2: and said, "We're gonna bring you up to do now." I was like, "No, I'm not gonna go out here in this club in front of these people and do this song."
3: Even though she laid the verse. It never occurred to her she'd actually have to perform it. She had never done that before.
2: And they was like, yes, you are. Come on, you got this. And I was like, oh, no. And this is his birthday party. They was like, oh, you can't let him down. It's his birthday party. Everybody's here. It's a big old thing. These girls are going to be waiting. They're going to love it. And I remember when the song was coming up, I, I think I had, like, the most anxiety. Because, like, this is the first time I'm going to be in
3: a—this place was packed. This was a big moment for Trick. He was bubbling out of control. And he was up on stage performing his songs, acting like the king of the city. Then, the beat for Nan dropped. And
2: they played the song. Now he's doing his part, the hook comes on, now I can hear when it's time for my part. I did not step out behind the curtain.
3: Trina's friends didn't want her to miss her moment. They literally pushed her through the curtain onto the stage.
2: I did not say one word. My eyes was closed. I was so nervous. I didn't say nothing. I was just standing there. All I could hear was every word for word from the girls in the club. I was terrified. Screaming it, screaming it, screaming It felt like I was, I, I don't even know
3: where I was at. The girls in the club were so hyped to see Trina. It didn't even matter that she wasn't rapping. They were rapping her verse for her.
5: The chain like me. Trina you
3: don't know smiles now, as she remembers now. their faces now. Those girls helped check off her stage fright because she saw in their faces what her lyrics were doing to them. Smashing the culture of shame around women's pursuit of pleasure. She saw the joy and the power it gave them. And something really clicked. She knew she could work with this. From there, Trina was thrust onto a year-long tour with Trick, doing Nah, night after night after night.
2: I mean, we're going into 1999, and the whole 99 we was on a tour. So I was just on the road, working, doing the song. So at that moment, it was always Trina screaming. The girls was going crazy. We traveled everywhere, all over the world, and it would be the same reaction from girls. It doesn't matter what race, what size, what color. Everybody scream. I'm talking about all the way in Tokyo, mm. Japan. Like, everywhere you go, they were, like, addicted to this verse and this record. It was just beautiful women everywhere, like, crying.
3: And- well, I want to talk about the reactions. Like you're saying, like, you went all over the world and you could tell how people were locked in and really feeling this verse. Not just because it was not just cause it was yeah. raunchy mm-hmm. it was also just like a point of like eureka sexual liberation mm-hmm. on a whole nother another level. level five six best friends yeah. who was saying that I got that from my friend <laughs> but, but that's what I'm saying but I'm saying like you weren't afraid to say no cause it. I was like I'm gonna mean. be like yeah
2: mess with one or two she was like girl that's not enough and I was thinking, is it just us that has this mindset? Are my friends just way out of control? Like, that was, that was my first thing. And then once the record came out, I was like, well, all these girls is out of control. <laughs> Everybody's out of control because even if this is not your story in your life and you've, you haven't even talked to five or six different people in life, you are saying this with conviction. You know, so it was beyond the sexual part. It was just, I think it was more like just that woman, that girl, like like that beastie of it of like I'm just finna tell it like it is and say what I gotta say.
1: Coming up, Sydney and Rodney talked to a certified Trina scholar to break down how the rapper upended sexual stereotypes in hip-hop. Stay with us.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor, Viore. A new perspective on performance apparel. Clothing designed with premium fabrics. Built to move in. Styled for life. For 20% off your first purchase, go to viore.com slash NPR. This message comes from NPR sponsor, REI Co-op. REI has gear, clothing, classes, and advice for camping and glamping. Biking and hiking. Axing and snacksing. Backpacking and another outdoor thing that rhymes with backpacking. Visit your local REI co-op or REI.com for the million and one ways you can opt outside.
6: The only way I can categorize how I felt as an adult when I first heard Trina's name verse is that I understood in that moment that I could either, like, be the kind of girl that, like, people expected me to be and, like, wanted me to be, or I could just do what the f I I wanted to do.
3: Cecily Bowen is the author of Bad Fat Black Girl, Notes from a Trap Feminist, and the host of Purse First, a podcast about the girls and the gays and rap. I think
6: when we talk about how sexuality is, like, denied for women, and I think particularly for black women... It's this idea that it it starts so young that we just don't even get to consider that sex or, like, our sexuality is something that we can really enjoy and, like, enjoy experiencing, enjoy developing, enjoy exploring, defining. Almost immediately, is just really meant not to exist.
3: This denial of women's sexuality makes sense given the way men are assumed power in society and taught that their gratification is what should be prioritized. And for Black women specifically, this denial goes deeper because of adultification bias and stereotypes like the Jezebel that render Black women and girls as promiscuous deviants, only existing in service of men's sexual needs.
6: There is a freedom in sexuality in, like, sexual expression, just, like, in creative expression or intellectual expression, you know, in dance, body expression, what you know, whatever kind of, like, expression that there is to have, like, I think the sexual language is right up there. And the assumption for so long is that that is a freedom that only,
3: like, men have gotten to experience. And those freedoms are not only reinforced in hip-hop, they're glorified and rewarded. A lot of the ways
6: that men in hip hop talk about sex is essentially representative of how they've already achieved th- the freedom that they seek from those heteronormative ideas, because they relish in the fact that they can f- who they want when they want, period, and and bet not nobody question them about it, right?
3: Trina's version there completely changed the narrative, though, and showed that freedom off to women. She wanted to keep that same energy on her debut album, too.
2: Like, what am I going to do? This is a whole album. This is not just a record. It's not a verse. This is a real thing. Now, what am I going to do? I got to captivate all these women that are screaming.
3: But Trina was a brand new artist, and she needed help getting these thoughts into the shape of an album. So she called on the guys who knew what they were doing.
2: The first album, the label was all involved. It was all in the studio. Everybody was there. Like, we were trying to create records. They had all these producers. Everybody sending me different kind of stuff. And, um... I remember this is new for me. So I'm all ears. Any, any suggestions you guys got, let's just do it. Unless it's something I totally feel uncomfortable about. I'll, I'll be like, hmm. But I didn't have that really. It was just all about a whole team building myself, Trick, Ross, Trey Plus Six, everybody on the label. Because they're, they're creating me now. Like, this is the girl from the, the only girl on Slip and Slide. And we got this big deal with Atlanta. We got to make this, got to be right.
4: One of the biggest influences on the album was Trick Daddy. He knew what the streets wanted. If Kim and Foxy were mixing their femme tile sex appeal with New York Attitude, Trick knew the secret that Trina Sauce had to be repping the South to the fullest. So he told her, straight up. I said, Trina, the only way you can compete with this is you got to go straight Miami.
3: That's exactly what she did. Trina dropped her debut album, The Baddest Bitch, in 2000
5: and don't be scared cause if you just me
6: the baddest Bitch came out, and it was just like the baddest bitch. that's a title I aspire to like mm. that that term bad bitch to me is a direct result of Trina's impact, among other things,
3: like, Truly the blueprint. Truly the blueprint for the girls. The blueprint is right, because the point of the song is not just to be raunchy. Trina was giving game, because to her, it wasn't just about promoting sexual freedom, but financial freedom, too. Those two ideals were intertwined.
6: Okay, let's start with, I got game for you young hoes, don't grow to be a dumb hoe, that's a no-no, see if you off the chain, stay ahead of the game, save up by a condo, Set up by the grands, and a munch you on the bins, another you set of rims, like. I got game for you young hoes, don't grow to be a dumb hoe, that's a no-no,
5: see if you off the chain, stay ahead
3: Literally, like, the
6: building blocks. It was like a financial class. It was, like, set a goal. He was, like, don't be an idiot. Set a goal for yourself. Work to attain that, but also, like, the people you are f***ing should be helping you attain that. Set a high price so that you can reach the goal faster. And then throw a little something extra and get you some rims on that bitch. There's something so methodical about that recipe for, like, success that is... she She made it sound so... Simple.
3: To set you up on square one, the broke s- has to, like, exit the equation. As an album, the baddest bitch kicked in the door. She had Pearl Clutchers extra pressed and codes flocking.
4: Yeah, it was booty-based from a woman's point of view. And coming from Miami, at a time where Uncle Luke and two live crew were basically using women as props to sell album covers, and Trina refused to be used as an accessory.
3: Mm-hmm. She was breaking out of the boxes that women in rap had been put into, refusing to teeter on some Madonna whore seesaw. She toppled that thing over completely. And the real key to her titillating wordplay, she never let anyone else dictate her worth. Okay. But as she got more comfortable as an artist, Trina wanted to grow, to rap about topics besides her sexual prowess. It was an obvious shift away from the original raw image But it wasn't a shift away from what Trina naturally liked. It was about being nasty as she wanted to be, when she wanted to be.
2: I just wanted to challenge myself to see if I could do different than the baddest. I just wanted to, I wanted different sounds. I wanted to try just different stuff that I wouldn't have normally tried from the first album because I didn't even know to try it. I didn't know the tempo was going to change. I didn't know my mindset was going to change.
1: That was NPR's Louder Than a Riot. If you want to hear more about the artists Trina inspired and what they're facing today, check out their podcast. Louder Than a Riot is currently in the midst of an amazing season. I haven't missed an episode, and you shouldn't either. Thanks to the Louder Than a Riot team, which includes Sidney Madden and Rodney Carmichael, Gabby Bulgarelli, Sam J. Leeds, Mano Sunderason, Soraya Shockley, Cher Vincent, Jose Sandoval, Teresa Shia, and Pilar Galvan. Engineering support came from Gilly Moon. Additional production and editing for this episode came from Jamal Michel, Jessica Mendoza, and Jessica Plachik. I'm Brittany Luce. Alright, that is our show for today. Thank you so much for listening, and we'll be back on Friday. This message comes from NPR sponsor Mint Mobile. From the gas pump to the grocery store, inflation is everywhere. So Mint Mobile is offering premium wireless starting at just $15 a month. To get your new phone plan for just $15, go to mintmobile.com switch.
0: This message comes from NPR sponsor Rosetta Stone, an expert in language learning for 30 years. Right now, NPR listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership to 25 different languages for 50% off. Learn more at rosettastone.com slash NPR.